Hello, animation fans, and welcome to another iAnimate podcast. I'm your host, Larry Vasquez, and this is episode number 19. And this is actually a podcast I had recorded uh, earlier this year, around March-ish, uh, shortly after the release of Wreck-It Ralph on uh, DVD and Blu-ray. And I do apologize to my guests here for the late release. Just had some other podcasts that we had to kind of fit in. Um, but we're getting it out here, and this has actually turned out to be a really good podcast with three of our guys, Roscoe Stefanovic, Daniel Klug, and Joey Brown, who have all been iAnimate members slash alumni and who worked on Wreck-It Ralph as well as Disney's yet-to-be-released Frozen. And one of the things I felt like made this interview particularly interesting was the fact that all three of them came to Walt Disney Animation Studios from kind of a different route, so to speak, and, and you'll hear that from the, from the interview here. And just able to kind of pick their brains a little bit on some of their workflow, how it's changed since they've been in the studios, what they learned from iAnimate as they went into the studios, and just a lot of really cool nuggets as far as working at Walt Disney Animation Studios. And so I'm sure you'll enjoy this podcast. So without further ado, I'll start it up. First off, I'd like to thank you guys for joining us, though. I know with your guys' schedules, particularly with the studio and stuff, if you guys can get any free time you have, I know it's uh, it's your time. So I really do appreciate you guys jumping in with me here tonight. So thank you very much. Oh, it's a pleasure. Well, tell you what, I want to go through each one of you guys as a little bit of an intro, so that way those who are listening can kind of get a little bit of your voices and uh, can associate the name with the voice here. And I think, Daniel, you and I are going to be the ones that don't have the accents, so you can go off first. <laughs> Awesome. Easy accent. Yeah. Uh, I'm Daniel Klug, and I, uh, I'm an animator. What are we... Uh... <laughs> Tell me your background. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, I've been in the commercial industry, I guess, for the last eight, eight years, and then uh, wanted to, to, you know, bike the big one. And so uh, I uh, did all the online schools and ended up hitting my job at uh, Rhythm and Hughes working on Hop and then uh, transitioned right into Alvin and the Chipmunks 3 and made it sing so well that uh, Disney liked me. So they picked me up for Ralph. So I've been uh, here ever since. Awesome. All right. Joey. Yeah, that's right. Um, so Joey Brown, that's me. And I'm an assistant animator at Disney and um, I've been here just over a year now and I started in the talent development program which is the which is traineedom I guess and before that uh, I worked at Ardman for a year in the commercials division and um, while I was working there I was doing animate on the side so I did uh, three semesters of it and yeah and before that I just had a couple of little jobs in London out of high school and we're, I want to talk about some of that as well as we kind of go through, but so I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, Roscoe, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit and kind of bring okay. up your background? Yeah, Roscoe. Uh, you don't bother pronouncing my last name. Come on, you got to pronounce <laughs> it then. <laughs> There's not much of a background, really. I mean, I have a rich background, but it has nothing to do with animation. Um, I'm a little bit older than your average, I guess, animation mentor slash iAnimate student. Um, yeah, so I've, my uh, sort of backgrounds were in business and IT. On a whim, I decided to switch to animation at some point. I'm just kidding. Um, and uh, yeah, so I uh, did a short stint of animation mentor and then jumped ship uh, when Jason started and finished animate and just uh, started here uh, right before I finished animate. And then so you've been there about a year as well? 
Um, not quite. Not yet. Okay. Yeah, probably about ten months. Okay. Something like that. Yeah. Coming up on that. Animation assistant as well. Now, one of the the reasons why I wanted to kind of bring all three of you on is because you guys have a commonality with having taken some education here, obviously at iAnimate, but also the different kind of the route, so to speak, that you guys are all three there now at Walt Disney and kind of how you guys have all came into those different perspectives. And so that's why when I appreciate you talking about, you know, I don't have much of a background in animation. That's what's got, I think, going to be unique for you to be able to kind of talk about in your journey there. So we'll, we'll get into some of that there. Joey, you mentioned that you had spent a little bit of time in Ardman. I think from your vantage point, from what I kind of gathered, you didn't have a whole lot of animation before you came to iAnimate, correct? No, no, I was really young. Um, I think I was 19 when I started and, um, I'd I'd gone to I'd went to Vancouver Film School, so I did a six month course there and animation was just kind of one partition of making a short animated film. And I kind of I'd never really animated before that and simultaneously was learning and I just, just fell in love with the whole I was just captivated by what it entailed and um yeah, just a release from feeling sort of creatively stifled almost. And yeah, so then I I just kind of I was going to university after Vancouver Film School. It was something I was doing in my gap year, but I just decided not to, and it felt it was a feasible career option that didn't require a degree. So I went straight to animate and kept learning. And yeah, I think that's what initially I enjoyed so much about it was that um, it was just like a real chance to, I guess, express, and the assignments were really loose, and you were just allowed to. So just kind of do what you wanted, and I had Mike Walling, who was really helpful initially and helping me achieve what I wanted to, and it was just a really organic process. Yeah, one of the things um, out to our listeners here is I've had the opportunity to have a class with each one of these three guys here, and so I've kind of got to see some of their progress throughout their time here at iAnimate. And so I had Joey in our very first class with Mike Walling, and to get to see when he says that it was a chance for him to be expressive, you have no idea. And so we'll definitely try to see if we can get some of his shots yeah. <laughs> in our show notes to show. It's a bit odd. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, they were definitely some of the most fun and uh, cracked my kids up. So, yeah, we do appreciate that. And I think that's part of, if I look at some of your guys' strengths, and maybe I'll try to kind of express some of that, I think one of your strengths was definitely the ability to really think outside of the box, to really kind of be entertaining in that regards. I remember, uh, and I've shared here on a couple of the podcasts, a quote from, I don't know if it was Ollie Johnson or, or one of the guys, but had said something to one of the guys that basically he had great animation but it didn't entertain him. And the idea of animation was not just hitting something correctly, but the idea of entertainment. And I definitely think that was one of your strengths here. All right. Yeah. Cause I mean, I animate is regimented obviously, but it's, it's kind of, I mean, I sort of sort of sort out as a tool almost to just, I don't know, just sort of experiment and have fun. And I think that's kind of the best that I'm so glad I approached it in that manner. And I think, um, Applying for here, I think that's why Disney kind of took a chance with me and brought me over was just because I was doing stuff a bit different, maybe. Right. That's all, <laughs> that's all the entertainment value, huh? Yeah, maybe. Now, Roscoe, I think that partly if I were to look at your experience at iAnimate is one of your strengths was the ability to really execute animation well. Uh, I remember seeing some of your stuff in the very first couple of workshops, and I've talked about you know this on some of the other podcasts, just talking about s seeing people 
when they first started posting some of their work and just kind of being blown away and really thinking that I would, as a fellow student, would have to really up my game. And I remember seeing some of your stuff come out there and just seeing that ability to really nail, because it was the body mechanics workshops at the beginning there. And I saw that same stuff carry over into your acting ones, the ability to really, whether you struggled with the acting portion or not, to be able to get your idea there and animate it well. Um, how has that kind of helped transition for what you're doing now over at Walt Disney Animation Studios? Uh, well, it had helped some, but I still have a ton to learn about entertainment, which uh, counts here more than anything else, I would say. I would say entertainment and appeal would probably be the highest uh, priority. Uh, so, yeah, so it's, it, I mean, the whole experience here has been a challenge, mainly because coming from no experience and just really having to learn a lot and obviously you learn a lot uh, doing your uh, courses doing your workshops but that only prepares you to a certain level but then you really have to take ownership of what you're doing so yeah it's it's uh, it's been challenging and now your journey there to Walt Disney was a little bit different where like you're saying you didn't have a whole lot of experience but I think that was partly I guess kind of where I was going with your your ability to really shine in animation and they were willing to take a chance on you and a guy who really doesn't have, didn't have a whole lot of experience prior and willing to pull you on to a position there. And kind of like you mentioned in a phone conversation with you and I in the kind of heat of Ralph, right? Uh, yeah. Um, because when I started, I think it was the first week of the full on crunch and that was in uh, beginning of April. So I guess it was baptism by fire uh, <laughs> situation. So, yeah. So, yeah, my first experience was that six months of crunch. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, I definitely uh, want to kind of come back to that as well, just your experience there. Daniel, I think having looked at our class with Jamal, one of the things I think I most admired about you was your ability to be persistent. And I think that was kind of a key characteristic that I saw in your animation from week to week, you would be able to pull in, you know, you had a, some experience, like you mentioned with working on hop and uh, Alvin. So you weren't as green in that regards coming to iAnimate, but it seemed like you were still able to produce good work in our workshops. But Jamal, for lack of a better term, he just wasn't quite happy with it. It wasn't quite there. And to see you week in, week out, just being able to tweak it and to fine tune it, I think what I got from being a fellow student from you was just that tenacity to continue to work at it. And that's what I've kind of seen from your strengths here as well. Oh, yeah. It's, Jamal was tough. <laughs> that was uh, <laughs> one of the most tough teachers. Yeah, it's, yeah to be honest, like um, I, I did iAnimate while I was at Rhythm Hughes because I... I knew that I wasn't good enough, really, to, to to really stand apart from a lot of the just great talent out there. So I had to stay in school and just keep pushing and keep pushing. That's pretty much all I can do, really. Uh, I'm, I'm just learning something new pretty much every day from someone else. I mean, I was, I was even doing, um, I animate in between Ralph and Frozen in the downtime in between. And it was, Super rough because work kicked up again right away, and then I didn't even come out with a finished shot. But Ken Fountain was able to teach me a lot about just sequence work, and so yeah, I, I'm I'm a perpetual student. I'm always learning, and that's I guess what I'm kind of getting at. And that's one of the things that I love about iAnimate and guys like you. Because my wife had asked one time, she said, "Well, well," and I, I don't know if it was you in particular, but just kind of that same idea. 
was if they're working in the studios, why are they at iAnimate? I mean, isn't that the uh, the goal? And my my comment was that they aren't satisfied yet. They want to continue to learn and to grow. And that's like I said, that's what I kind of got from you. How has that helped play with your learning experience at Walt Disney and being an animator there? It, it helped a lot, um, especially just so, sort of a globally in, in storytelling. The, the, like that Ken Don class I took was more on sequence work and, and telling a good story. Uh, you know, like coming back to that entertainment value, it, it's like a, a, sh a couple shots together could move really well, but at the end of the day, if you're not interested, it doesn't matter. And so if, if you can tell a, a story in, in a really appealing way or, you know, get people hooked, I think that's what's important. And so just trying to uh, take, I was really taking advantage of the downtime. And so like, you know, when you're not in the middle of this crunch where uh, you're just trying to get shots done and like you have some time to kind of breathe, then it's, you know, I was just trying to keep that input coming in where I could still practice and get better. That's very cool. How was it doing uh, dailies, uh, Joey and Roscoe particularly, not having a whole lot of experience prior to Walt Disney Animation Studios? How was it going in showing dailies? Terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Deeply disturbing <laughs> to my very soul. <laughs> because, I mean, you're showing your dribblings that you kind of know is not to scratch to, I guess, like the best animators in the world. And it's always unpleasant, but... I don't know, you you kinda get numbed to it after a few sessions. All so, right. Uh, well it's something <laughs> I <laughs> yeah, more feel my my yeah. knees knocking when I'm waiting to be shown. <laughs> well you Larry were talking about uh, peer pressure in workshops. Uh you can multiply that several times. <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially when your shot is up against someone who Yeah, and like I just remember um, it's like probably one of my first showings is coming like right after Chad Sellers. Funny enough, know, the you. first shot I ever had went, went directly on from Clay Catus, who was the head of animation on <laughs> Thank God, so that was exactly <laughs> What about you, Daniel? You like you mentioned you'd done a stint with uh, Rhythm and Hughes. Did you guys do dailies there beforehand, or were they weeklies, or how did that work? Rhythm had such a, a bigger pipeline because uh, it was a visual effects house, so they have their own internal animation supervisors and who would answer to their animation director. And then once you got that far up the chain, then they would show the uh, client side animation director and then the director of the show. And so there were very many gates to get through. And so you would end up showing your shot and maybe at an approval level of like four tiers before you got some notes. And so it, it was uh, it was very separated. Here at Disney, though, it's, it's very integrated. Like even in rounds, we'll have our animation director there with us who can you know give us some decisive feedback. Rounds are basically everything but the actual director. And so it's less about the acting and performance and like more about really nailing that appeal. And so because you're so uh, close to the directors and supervisors, like the animation directors and supervisors, you're, you're getting feedback that is like straight from the horse's mouth and only one level of approval, which is pretty amazing. So you were able to get a lot quicker. How did that help in your progression of your shots? Oh, uh, man. Well, the faster you have to go back to blocking to make it awesome, the better. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It's not, it's not always that bad. Um, but 
yeah, like, you, you know if you're on the right track, like, right away. You don't have to worry about getting through gates before you realize that it's the wrong way to go. Because it's so immediate, you're able to get back on track and, and uh, get the shutout faster. Very cool. Um, this is a question, I guess, for each of you here. What was it like going into a studio like Walt Disney Animation Studios that is one of the top studios for feature animation and with such a rich history? What do you mean one of the top? Well, I have to be, <laughs> I have to be agnostic <laughs> for this year. <laughs> so, okay, for this show, the top, um, you know, going into a studio like that and now getting shots. I mean, what was it like going in there maybe your first day or first weeks? Well, yes, I had, a, I had kind of a soft landing coming into the talent development program because you really, um, it's more, it's kind of similar to animate. You're working on assignments that are unrelated to the current production. So we were doing, we were doing little tests with, um, well, prep and landing characters and tangled characters. And then we had, we each were assigned a mentor and then we had, uh, three months of just working on those. And then after that, we started getting um, siphoned production work, and we all initially started on crowds and then moved on to shots. So it was kind of a pretty easy ride, I feel. Rasco has a, a dark tale, maybe. Real quick, I want to stay on that for a second. How was it, though, transitioning just even mentally from working on, you say, assignments that you were for lack of a better term, they didn't really matter as far as production to now actually, hey, here's your first shot. This is actually going to be for the movie. How was that yeah. mentally? There was just all these little aspects of animation that I hadn't really conceived of before I arrived. It's this extremely subtle appeal in not only sort of facial shapes and posing, but also uh, uh, in movement. That was just something that, I don't know, beyond sort of tracking arcs and making sure your curves look nice. It wasn't really something that I had comprehended before. So I feel a lot of those three months were spent just working out like what is in the, what, what makes the characters appealing. And even the slightest nudging of an, an eyelid control can send a character looking horrifying, especially with Rapunzel. Yeah. <laughs> Her enormous bubble life. <laughs> so those three months were actually able to kind of get you honed down in the Disney way, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the things that they focus on, you know, kind of the simplicity and clarity of ideas and um, yeah, just, just that kind of thing. And I think it was, it was great. I mean, it was perfect. I couldn't have, I, it, I just felt so lucky every day. It was completely insane. And to answer your question more just about walking into the studio and then even being brought to LA to work at Disney was Completely mind blowing. I felt like I didn't deserve any of this, and I'd have some karmic payback sometime. <laughs> so transitioning to an actual shot for the production wasn't as um, mind rattling. Yeah, right? and I mean, I mean, it didn't really prepare you just for the not brutality, but just the lack of sugar coating of notes. Because especially when you're working with like a, a nice mentor, really for any guy who you become friends with, it's they still kind of really hide the criticisms behind layers of marshmallowy deliciousness. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but so when you go, when you show in dailies, it's not just like, oh, it looks great. Oh, I like it. It's just sort of, this is what is wrong. And then please do this differently. So the first 
dailies were definitely extremely rattling to my my bones and marrow. What, what about you, Daniel? You said that you didn't go in through that three months of apprenticeship there straight higher. How was that different? Oh, man, it was brutal. So when I started, I started um, on – we were doing some cycles. It was for Ralph. We were doing um, – I, I had to do some bug cycles, like getting the uh, the side bugs. Like, what would it look like for them to run, and then what would look what would it look like for them to fly? And I did like a couple of the walk cycles of the random people in uh, Game Central Station, and uh, and then immediately after that, where they tell us uh, we're gonna get some shots, like some real shots. I'm like, oh, cool. Uh, I'm probably I'm thinking I'm gonna get something that's like uh, like a a take. You know, or some character or in the background, like yeah, helicopter shot of like some characters far away. No, the first shot I get is uh, Felix in the jail, where he's like, "Like, please let me out," and then he tries to wreck it. And it's like a close-up. He fixes it. Yeah. yeah. And then he's getting fed. That was in the trailer, right? Yeah, yeah, it was the trailer too. And that was my first shot, and I was so just like destroyed by doing it that. Like, I started off using the wrong controls. I didn't have that grace period with the rigs as much. And so, uh, and the crowd characters aren't, they don't really care too much about, like, the really fine, intricate details. But as soon as you get, like, a hero character and you have a close-up with them, the first time I showed it was just, like, everyone was kind of confused. And (laughs) it was was just nerve-wracking. But uh, I got some some special attention from the supervisor after. He's like, I'll I'll talk to you about... uh, how we uh, control the characters and so, some some quick lessons later and then uh, they, they gave me quite the spanking um, uh, i got I hit the ground running pretty hard well i remember that shot it turned out good so obviously it paid off yeah see you don't have any choice but to get better like when when they start you here it's um there's there's no sink or swim like everyone swims it's good I, to plug to your death as early as possible <laughs> yeah, yeah basically i, I remember uh Clay talking to me, he, you know, he came and he's like, hey, so, uh, you know, it, there's no sink or swim here. Like, we're all going to, we're all in this together and we're all going to be doing amazing work on this show. Like, his his words of inspiration were so amazing. And so it's nice to know that you have that support of people here who will, who will really give you that hardcore just smackdown and make sure your work just is as good as it possibly can be. But everyone is super nice, so... Yeah. It's not. It's not like some nicer than others. Anyway, <laughs> and uh, just uh, you know, Daniel mentioned how here you have this sort of immediate response, immediate feedback. Only one level, only one gate to pass, and so on. But it's a very narrow gate with very yeah. sharp uh, thorns. <laughs> so uh, I want to say is that. Um, the sort of the level of pickiness, you know, the level that the work has to be on is far beyond. It's it's just a whole another level. So, um, yeah, you get picked apart for everything. <laughs> um, what about you, Roscoe? Let's let's hear your your entry into the atmosphere over at Walt Disney. Well, it was, uh, it, well, obviously, you know, the dailies and that aspect of it was terrifying, um, and that you know, it's really hard, and it's all sort of mental it's it's all in your head basically i mean i mean animation is pretty much everything is always in your head but so it's, it's really hard it, it was hard but it was also you know fantastic because you, you know you mentioned the history and everything and um obviously i've never been here before 
and it's just, um, I mean, you know, the climate here is perfect. And uh, it was springtime when I was starting. So it's like sort of this idyllic environment, basically. And then you go out to walk on the main lot and you have, I think, you know, the, the original building from Hyperion Studio where they uh, made uh, uh, Snow White. I think they've actually disassembled and moved that building over here. So that first building, when the first feature film was made, is is here on this lot. And the brick buildings where, where animation used to be are still there. They're pretty much the same as they were, although they're, you know, occupied with different departments now. But you can walk these corridors and there's a ton of ton of shots on the walls from Nine Old Men. There's, uh, you, you know, you can still go down into where the morgue used to be, the corridors beneath that connects where they used to shuffle the shots from, from animation to um, other departments and so on. So it's, it's like really sort of a surreal, uh, I don't know, it's it's just fantastic. You know? they, they've got a Starbucks. <laughs> that's, that's all you need, huh? I no comment. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's the equivalent of having a Starbucks shop within the uh, the uh, Forbidden City in Beijing. You know, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. But no, uh, it's for us that are in animation. It's you know it's a mecca. You know, so you, it's incredible. you and there's the entire Disney archive where there's a bunch of archivists, archivists, whatever, uh, <laughs> sort of working away with with white gloves on, sort of. And they're translating every single old Disney drawing that were used before they were painted. And they're digitizing them on the computer. So that library is available for you. So you can literally just open up any pencil tests from any of the old Disney films. At the moment, That's way cool. Which I think is kind of mind-blowing. Yeah, absolutely. Now, you were kind of, Roscoe, as you mentioned, kind of thrown into the heat of, of battle there. How was that transition for you? Well, it was tough. Yeah, it was, you know, there's not much to really say about it. It was just tough. Because you go from, like Joy was saying, you know, like all your experiences from people that were nice to you and you get, you, you get constructive feedback, but it's all, you know, you're a student and, you, you know, it's it's just one context. And then you, you come here and basically I've, the first thing I've done is just a, a short run cycle on one of the characters and then it was a shot with seven characters like you know um so yeah i mean it's it's survival you like you turn into survival mode and you learn as you go but you know it's just uh it's, it's hard to explain really you have to be in that situation well was there um, any tricks or anybody that you grabbed latched on to that you kind of used to to make that adjustment to to keep swimming um well the supervisors are there to to really help you through but this is you know a little thing for all the students right it's uh um you know the priorities of your mentor and your supervisor like your mentor when you were a student and your supervisor here completely different you know they have different purpose so yes your shot has to be the best it can be but it also has to be done. So the sort of direction that you're getting is not necessarily gears, geared to, towards the learning. It's more geared, to, towards, uh, geared towards getting the job done. Uh, so the learning that you're doing, you're sort of doing on the fly, but it's really work. Once you get into the heat of production, there's not a whole uh, a lot of time that you can experiment or 
make a whole lot of mistakes and so on. And some mistakes that you make, you just have to live with. You just have to make the shot work and, and move forward. So things can be overwhelming uh, at times because the amount of information that is at your disposal, like Joey said, we have the what used to be a MORC is now Animation Research Library, which we have internally online and we can pull up stuff. But even better than that for us is like every shot from uh, basically Tangled onto Hero to Ralph and now Frozen and Prep and Landing and Prep and Landing 2. And it's like every shot, every stage of it, everything is there. Like we can see the blocking passes, the splining, the, wow. you know, like whatever you pick. So the amount of lectures that have accumulated here over the period of the last 30, 40 years probably, which we also have at our fingertips. It's just a lot of information. And so the, most of the learning has happened by watching what some of the best guys we have here are doing and just trying to sort of pick little tricks and, and little things that you see, you know, like you start stepping through uh, their shots frame by frame and then and you kind of look at what they're doing. And it's just as much as you can. And, and then you get on back to your shot and it's just like, you just, you just have to go, you know. Did you find that those kind of gave you some inspiration then to keep kind of plugging away and, you know, to, yeah, to keep swimming? Yeah, it's both intimidation and inspiration at the same time, you know. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, if you're taught one thing, you're taught humility when you come here and, like, within the first 24 hours, basically. <laughs> nice. Um, because, and, and th there's another thing I just want to say now, is we have this animation community, and not just I animate, but just what's known to people on the internet, online, through other schools, through whatever, you know, forums or conferences, whatever. So we, there's, there's a number of really great animators that everyone knows about and so on. And then you come here and there's like a bunch of people you've never heard of. And they're just like, like you can't imagine. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like difficult to imagine you frame through a film like Tangled. I mean, I did obviously a couple of years ago all the time, and I just these shots are amazing. And then when you come in, you see these animators creating this quality of work week after week, really quickly, and it's just insane. Yeah. It's just mind blowing. And not, and most of them I've never even heard of. You know, sort of more than half the crew just kind of. Yeah, and uh, and a lot of these people, you know, uh, really came into their own here whether they started uh, 15, 20 years ago and they were here the whole time and no one's heard about them outside of the studio except for people that, you know, they don't expose themselves. You come here and it's, you don't know what to expect and then you're just like, bam, you know. Nah. <laughs> you know, it's like, just like, it's a light year away from where I am. It's just, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so it's your your thought humility, like within a very short period of time. It's just you want to go back home, cry for a little bit, then come back, <laughs> you know, regroup, and then sort of attack. You know, so, so it's uh, it's it's very good. What about you, Daniel? Was there anybody there that you kind of clung on to that you felt like, hey, this is a, a good mentor that's going to help me get through? Where you signed one? How did that work for you? Yeah, my supervisor, like my immediate supervisor on Ralph, when I was doing that Felix shot, <laughs> I was just crying. Like he was my lifeline, basically, just to help me out and uh, get me straight. But I think a lot of people, like um, almost everyone here, it's really to make friends with. So it's 
there's an awful lot of egos. Uh, people don't walk around being like, oh, I'm the best animator ever, don't talk to me. Like everyone has that mentality of like they can learn something. So I think everyone's at, at this humble stage enough to just be able to share. And, and I could walk into anyone's office and just say like, hey, could you, you you know, look at my shot and just tell me what's up. And everyone, I don't think there'd be anyone who, maybe like a couple of people were like really busy at that moment, but they would, you know, if they had a minute, they'd totally help out. Yeah, but that was a fun little project of mine I, that I did toward the beginning of Ralph when I started was uh, just walk into random people's office and introduce myself by saying like, hey, could you give me some notes on my shot? <laughs> and just seeing like, you know, what, what kind of feedback you get from different people, because everyone sees something different too. So you, you learn a lot just doing that. I mean, for me at least, like my if I look at my student reel um, that got me the job here and the work that I did on Ralph, it's light years different. Mm. That was actually my another question I had. How was it transitioning from working on your own stuff, your own time with your own self-imposed deadlines and things of that nature, to now actually working for a company that you actually have to get that stuff on on a particular schedule? Yeah, I mean, just imagine getting like those assignments and I animate. And then having the turnaround finished Disney quality in a week and a half. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's one of the draws of a school like anime is that you are actually effectively showing this work um, that you're doing not only to your immediate mentor, but to countless other students and, well, Jason Ryan, of course, and all the other uh, mentors, possibly. So there's that sort of pressure about kind of wanting. I don't know, either to impress them or to just not seem like an imbecile in front of them. So I think that's one of the biggest kind of pressures at the moment. But yeah, so well for me, how my work improved. I don't know, I feel like because I was in crowds for a few months, it just became the case where uh, just learning how to forget about blocking and then just change tack and try a new idea for the shot because this is, yeah, it's not... What Rasko was saying earlier is that it's not. This isn't your movie, and you're making exactly what the director wants to see. So, I mean, that's one of the hard things, especially when you're having to reblock the same shot multiple times to get the exact right thing the director's hoping for. And to be able to do that, I don't think I'd have been capable of uh, a couple of years ago. You know, it's just, I was easy to just become very set on what I was doing. So. <laughs> Has your workflow changed at all being in the studio? Um, for me, not really. I, I don't know. I'm sort of, I'm a bit of a bohemian animator. I don't really use much in the way of tools, and I'm just kind of purely visual. I don't really even use the graph editor that much. So, I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, as far as did you start out in blocking in stepped, or have you always blocked in spline, or? Um, yeah. So my my I kind of try try to plan a lot every shot, and then get my. I guess signposts ready, and then I'd try and straight ahead animate through them, or at least do it in a way where I'm kind of throwing down information because I feel I kind of like to see motion happening and then work from there. So I would, in step blocking, just get out a quick idea of the shot and then refine. And I think that's especially um, kind of embraced here because, all, like, what is important is your ideas and your acting. So if you can get her around and show them what you're thinking in a couple of days, then that's a lot better than if you weren't to do that. What about you, Daniel? Your, has your workflow changed being there at Disney? Yeah, a lot. 
Okay. Um, <laughs> How so? Right. Well, in in terms of trying to just get to the finished product faster, you you have to like reblock a lot. Like if if you block out an idea and it's and it's not the direction that they want to go, you have to be prepared to just sort of throw it out and do it again. And so just getting quicker with getting the blocking down, like getting those storytelling poses enough where it's clear enough what your idea is and where you're going and how your mechanics are playing out. That, so like putting a lot of upfront detail is kind of like the big change for me, just being able to get it turned around quickly. What about you, Roscoe? I don't know. I think I need to sit down and think about it for a week or something to, <laughs> to see how this is all played out. Um, I, I just want to say one thing first. You know, steps blind, it doesn't matter at all. It just, whatever you're quick with. Some of our fastest people here work in stepped, or actually the fastest person we have works in stepped, and several, you know, following fastest people, I guess, worked in spline blocking. So that absolutely makes no difference as long as it's something you're proficient with. We, again, another idiosyncrasy of Disney here, uh, we tend to show on stepped, uh, but we have tools that help us shoot splines on, on in stepped mode. Uh, so even if you work in stepped, you can sh- always shoot it on twos, to threes, or fours, or just on keys, or and, and show it in stepped. Showing in stepped is good because it takes away, like it, it it puts the important poses up on the screen and then lets your brain interpret everything in, in between. So you can show work earlier than you would if you were in spline because you don't quite have to work out mechanics to be perfect. And showing on twos or threes or fours is very forgiving. So that's something we do a lot. So regardless of what your blocking method or your workflow is, we always tend to show on twos or threes, I would say vast majority of shots get shown like that. Every now and then, very rarely we do show reference, only special occasions. And that's it's not like a rule against it or anything like that. It's just how it happens. And usually um, that's uh, kind of towards the end of production and it's to the jurisdiction of, I guess, the sequence supervisor who, for there was a couple of subtle acting sequences on Ralph and they just wanted the whole of the sequence um, acted and referenced before anyone saw that animating, just to get the whole flow of it. So occasionally, uh, reference can be used in a sort of macro way. Like that. How heavy is reference used at the studio? Everyone pretty much uses it? Uh, I think I only know one person for sure that doesn't use the reference. Okay. And he's probably the best animator we have. Um, and uh, everyone, pretty much everyone else uses the reference. Uh-huh. I- I've never been unhappy with a shot I shot reference for. Uh. I've never been happy with a shot of mine ever. <laughs> That's, That's incredible. That's incredible. <laughs> what about you, Joey? Reference-wise, you shoot a lot of reference. I must admit, I don't really use it um, much. I it just kind of it really depends on the shot, and it really depends on how quickly the shot itself sort of how quickly I can envision it, you know? So what's your workflow then? Give me a couple examples of your workflow. I, I can talk you through what, what happened what happened on my current shots. Yeah, uh, yeah. I've got a pretty long one at the moment, which is big and exuberant, and it's with a little character who it's kind of impossible to shoot reference for. He's sort of small and cartoonish. Okay. So what was your workflow for that one? Yeah, so I, honest, I spent uh, three or four days planning and thinking about the shot and thinking about what was important for it, and 
the typical things where I'd, I'd write out the, the kind of words and pick the gradients of intensity and, and where to focus, where to spend my money, I would say, animation-wise. So in this shot, he's interacting with um, a subtle female character. So then I just quickly laid out with quick sort of signposts what I want to do with this shot, and I, I blocked out the dominant character, which was this little guy running around, and I just did a, a really quick pass of just my ideas and just very basic, just lip sync and face shapes. And and once I'd got him all working, then I brought in the other character and then got her motion. And I spent more time sort of thinking through the physicality and when when muscles would be firing and just sort of feeling the, not rigidity, but the tensity of flesh as opposed to this little flailing guy. And then, so I got that all together and I did another just pass of just making stuff more appealing and just pushing timing and just having more fun with the breakdowns. And then I showed in dailies and had to reblock most of it. <laughs> okay, that was, I was kind of wondering as you're kind of going through this process, I'm going, okay, when do you start showing that? So. Yeah, so, um, yeah, but, but I mean, honestly, I did that. I, I blocked out the whole, it was a 350 frame shot and I just rushed through it and I, I blocked the whole thing in a day and then I spent another day just kind of refining what I'd done because I know there's something I feel that when, um, especially when characters are coming from either layout or a T pose, um, you get more pleased with your own motion because it's coming from somewhere so plain. So I feel like you just got to get, I always feel that like it's just a canvas and as soon as you start getting stuff there, it's much easier to retain that sort of, perception of it and it's much easier to see what the audience is seeing if you're just you're not I don't know, spending too much time on it and deadening your eyes so then yeah so I, I i had the shot issued on friday and i showed first in in rounds to the supervisors on on wednesday and then they gave me a couple of notes which i did and i showed in dailies and then i've been kind of reworking sections since then to get it to what the director hopes for so <laughs> So when would you use reference? Give me well, an example of a shot. Tom was a extreme close-up with a male character, just saying a very subtle, direct line. So I shot reference, and I know for me, it took me a while to, like, that, I think that's one of the things I'm, I'm scared of with reference, is that I kind of I kinda lose the point of the shot, and I get too pleased with little acting beats I find interesting, as opposed to what would work specifically for the shot. So for me, it took me a while to learn how to like look at reference and kind of paraphrase it in a way. So with this shot, I I just filmed myself for half an hour just performing this line, and I went through and I just I just tried to pick what was what felt most right, and then sometimes I just watch my reference in continuity with other shots around it just to feel like if it could fit into the movie. That then I'd use I'd follow it pretty closely, but sort of I'd just always be looking to push facial shapes and spacing and timing. That's kind of how I do it. What about you, Daniel? Reference-wise, do you use it a lot? Oh, yeah. Um, as much as possible, just because, um, I don't know, for some reason, I keep getting these uh, these really mechanical shots, the characters that are doing a lot of physical things. So for me, working out the mechanics ahead of time is key for me to just be able to get it approved. So... Uh, I shoot reference as much as possible. Like right now I'm doing a, a shot where a character is carrying another one. And I could probably do that without shooting reference, but 
I would miss out on a lot of these like little subtle nuances and kind of like how carrying a weight changes a character's gait, things like that. And those differences are pretty subtle unless you're re- like intimately familiar with it, then you can just recall it. I, which I, I'm not that good just watching people walk around with carrying weight. So seeing myself do it in a video camera is a lot better. So yeah, I, I use reference as much as possible just to say, get the realism in there. Mm. Who, who did you carry for your reference? Yeah, so my question was. <laughs> <laughs> I got to carry my girlfriend. It was awesome. <laughs> nice. <laughs> hey, honey, I need you. Come here. Exactly. Reference is great for that. <laughs> now, Roscoe, I know you use reference quite well. How would you say or any advice on how you interpret your reference? Because you're able to do that pretty well. How do you do that? Well, things have changed a little bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I do. I, uh, I should have that's true. But um, you can't uh, substitute a 235-pound guy for, uh, I don't know, 140-pound girl. So, yes, I've, like uh, Daniel, I've been also getting uh, more, more kind of action-y or more sort of mechanical shots. For some of them, I've shot partial reference for some of them uh, i haven't shot reference at all and uh but yes in general i would tend to shoot a lot of reference uh, how do you interpret it um, you do a good job at that so i mean how, what, what are some of the things that you're looking at the reference for to kind of start extrapolating it well i mean you have to sort of you look at the extremes of body parts and you kind of look at what's happening in the hips Extremes uh, of movements too. So if like yeah. the hips rotate kind of like really yeah. wide, it's like as far as they go, and then they start reversing direction. Like that extreme would be a pose. Yeah, like but it's not it's not copying poses obviously because the weight doesn't transfer, the timing of it doesn't work, and so on. I think um, when the character is uh, obviously proportionate to you, more proportionally similar, or weight wise more similar to you, then you can really. You know, the timing actually from your reference might actually work and you might follow it more literally if, if the action allows that. But um, I think in general, you just have to kind of figure out like what is happening. I think torso is very important. Uh, so you figure out obviously your feet, the timing of your feet, then, you know, how the hips react to that, like what happens in the torso as the hips move uh, and so on. So it's, um, I usually dissect it. I don't like I can't comprehend the body as a whole, like in one, like what the 2D guys used to do, you know, like they, well, actually they used to, you know, break it up in parts as, as well. Right. Yeah. I mean, they would like even do body parts in different colors and, and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's, it's looking at the extremes of hips and torso and then trying to find the relationship between sort of understanding uh, how the body parts are reacting to each other. It's kind of hard to explain. Over a podcast, you know yeah. I, I remember <laughs> Zach Parrish, he did a demo for us. He's one of the head of animations on the next movie. And uh, he, tell, he put it in such a simple way. He said, all I do when I look at my reference is I just go every few frames and just look at what's changing and may, and why it's changing as well. Like okay. So, Roscoe, what would you do for your shots now that you where you don't shoot reference for? How do you plan those out? and? Um, well, it's like the only reason why I didn't shoot the reference for it is because I didn't have to plan a whole lot. 
it, it was more of a sort of a straight ahead thing. So it, it's, it's not, you know, it's... That sounds like a trap. It, it happened, you know, like it just happened <laughs> that I've done that shot without shooting the reference. But okay. it's, not, it's not like I don't have a method for it. It's, every it every just, time I try that, I just get so much trouble. It's going to straight ahead this, no problem. <laughs> no, but this, this shot, I, you know, got approved. So, um, um, yeah, but I now I have to redo it. Um, but it's not because, <laughs> you know, something's changed and the whole sequence is gone and redo and whatnot. So, yeah, it's that just happened for that shot. In general, I do tend to. I, I, I shoot a lot of partial reference as well. Like, uh, because, you know, like, we're not... I mean, obviously, maybe some of us are, like, really good at shooting the reference, but, you know, there's, like, muscle memory and stuff like that, like dancers, you know? Like, you show them a routine, and, you know, they just only have to repeat it three times, and then they, they can do it 100 times perfectly. Like, we can't. Like, I can't think of everything at the same time when I'm shooting the reference. So, like, maybe maybe my my sort of main body motion would be correct, uh, but then, you know, my hands or my arms or something else is not quite working the, the way I want it to. So I would just uh, maybe shoot, shoot a little segment of that reference so I can analyze, get the arm-hand gesture the way I want it, like shoot the reference, it looks the way I want it, and then sort of analyze what it's doing and then apply it into a body in a different sort of pose. Or So I, I do a lot of these partial references as well. I'm, I'm in a sort of a little... Uh, I don't know, readjustment of my workflow. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of what I was asking earlier. So, yeah. I want to transition a little bit here to Wreck-It Ralph. Obviously, all three of you guys worked on that one. Apart from getting robbed at the Oscars? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I really, really like the film. We had a chance, actually, our, our first interview podcast, we had Doug Bennett, who worked on that one. But one of the things that Doug had mentioned was that wasn't going to be quite sure if the audience was going to think it was going to be just a game reference fest or anything along that lines. And one of the things I liked about the film is how balanced it was with the game reference, which made it a lot of fun in that regards, but still had a great story and very fun and, and easy to follow. How was it working on a film like that? You know, here you're at at Disney and they're starting to make some strides with, you know, like Bolt and then eventually with Tangled where they really started feeling like, hey, we're back in this game as far as with 3D is concerned. What was it like working on this film here at Walt Disney? What was on the line, and how did that feel? Amazing. Are you kidding? Like, this is the new Disney renaissance. We're back. So it's working on a film. I mean, especially for me, like, walking in here and then seeing it, just kind of like one of the early screenings. Man, I, I grew up on all these games. And so I, and I'm 30, and, like, Ralph's 30, and he's talking about, like, I hate my job, and I just, you know, want to get some recognition. You know, like... I felt like, man, this film was made for me. <laughs> I, I connected it. I connected to it so much and so hard that I, I loved it. I, every every little bit that I got to just do on it just felt like such a privilege. I haven't had a better time in this industry. Did there I, feel like there was any extra stress having just done really well with Tangled, or did there feel like there was a little bit of wind in your sail because of the, the success of Tangled? There was certainly both. I mean, there was definitely pressure because Disney's Disney's back. So uh, Tangled was, I think, pretty amazing. Um, and sort of, I was just, I don't know who I talked to recently, but in hindsight, I think Tangled is probably one of the best movies 
we, we had some CG? leeway. You know? We had some leeway though, because we weren't trying to do another tangle. Right. We, we were doing like That's video true, game yeah. world, so we got to experiment with styles and all that. So we weren't necessarily trying to reproduce something that had already happened. So that that not, gave us a yeah, little bit of a not not in terms of style, but certainly in terms of quality. In oh terms yeah, of, that's where it was yeah, like, like man, we gotta be on yeah, top. there yeah, there was pressure for because you know move, studio is going on to like moving a uh, making a movie a year, and we need to have successes for this to really happen, and you know that that was the pressure, and there is really, I don't think anyone puts a higher pressure on us than ourselves. Like, I mean, the animation department here is so, it's not, I don't know, I have no experience with other studios, so I don't know why it works there, but here it's not like, okay, so we got to make this movie, you know, like we, we, like we need to push ourselves like beyond, like it's a constant pressure forward and, and, it, and it could be rough, it could be frozen, it could be whatever. It's, it's just a constant pressure forward or always looking to surpass what, what's, what has been done. So, yeah, there's that competition with oneself type of pressure. But the talent's amazing. And I have to say, Jan Lee, who's a, she was a co-writer on Ralph, and she's a co-director now and a co-writer on, or maybe just a writer, I'm not. She's a co-director, definitely, I don't know. She also writes uh, Frozen, but I'm pretty sure there are other writers as well. She and the director, who was also amazing on Ralph, they know what they're doing so well. You know? Yeah, I feel Rich Rich Moore was a dream of a first director. Oh, absolutely, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, amazing. He was amazing. And he was so, he was very clear of what he wanted, but he was also, I don't know, he was really willing to allow you to invent and bring new stuff to shots. I think he was just, he just really wanted it to be as rich as possible, the movie. Uh, pun and, maybe intended, I don't know. And, and it's, and it's, uh, and it's not, <laughs> And it's you know, but for, for us as animators, it, it wasn't just his competency, which is immense, but it's also that he was so um, like he made us feel good about what we were doing, yeah. because he would like have you know, I mean this is what I heard you know there's directors that yeah they're always kind of you know under stress to do something you never know if what you've done is really good or not you know but with with Rich was like if you struck a chord you know he have a really genuine reaction to it and you'd, you'd come out like a million dollars out of that daily session. Oh, you know? nice. Seriously. So, and I thought that was like really important. You know? uh-huh. It was like, that was one of my lifelines. Uh, those rare few Pink. times. Yeah. <laughs> Having react like that, don't know why, but um, yeah. So I think that he was extremely best first director you can imagine. I think so. And I just think the best first film I could have wished to work on, you know, because just the, <laughs> parade of different styles and how i mean it's a subtle movie there's some amazing subtle work with ralph but on the whole it's kind of broader than than tangled right more about getting graphic shapes with him there's a lot more about summarizing john c Riley's performance as opposed to getting in extremely tiny little details so there's just something about that what was a good gearing up for frozen which is a lot more heavily reference based and a lot more subtle yeah, that was one of the things I really liked with Ralph was the different styles of animation. I even had a buddy who's not in the industry at all who specifically mentioned that. And so when I think when you get somebody who's not in the industry recognizing that, you, you know, you've done something really well. How do they hand out shots there? How do you get a shot? Well, um, you wake up one morning and <laughs> okay. you open, 
Yeah, it was no, no fun Just you get your shot with shotgun. Yeah, you get your shot with shotgun. It's a little like a, a website thing, and it it doesn't alert you. You just occasionally log onto it, and and then there might there might occasionally be new shots for you. How do they determine who gets what? Yeah, well, they, there's a there's a casting session every week, basically, um, that happens behind closed doors. Um, and that's where the soups animation director and production supervisor uh, look at what's in the inventory, uh, what the plan is, and then they start see people that are free that are coming off another shot. So they basically have an inventory of shots that need to be done. They have an inventory of people that are coming available, and then they try to match the best to their abilities. We have um, I missed this part in Ralph because I started late in the production, but during the pre-production we have explorations of characters and even though the story is always developing and changing we have those early screenings early storyboards and so on so there's always this invitation for us to if we want to explore a, if we feel very strongly about a certain piece of animation certain shot certain character and so on we can start uh, not auditioning per se but uh, we can we can start exploring them in the pre-production period and and if our tests sort of come out okay and if we, we, there's there's a little bit of preference that we can express and from what I can see they they tend to do everything they can to accommodate what people's preferences are because obviously it's an, it's in everyone's interest to you know we get the shots that we're more interested in we're probably going to perform better but there's going to be like really really important shots that glue the story together that like key performances and so on that obviously are going to go to the best people for that kind of stuff. It's like these are shots that they don't mess with. There's no room for failure there. <laughs> it feels like they do try and build inertia of animators. They, um, it's kind of dependent on how well you're doing with your current shots or just how easily you're, you're coping with them, what you get next. So you can really just kind of keep going. I've seen a couple of people who've just sort of started and then just kept doing really well in their shots and just getting more and more stuff and now having uh, being assigned sort of huge sequences we do usually get a sh- assigned short sequences when, whenever it's it, the thing is though they're always limited with either what's in the inventory or the people coming up so they don't have a complete liberty to cast whoever they want on whatever they want. So it's all it's a, available. That's right. And what, you know, what shots are coming available because, you know, we get our inventory from the layout and layouts doing everything they can to accommodate the changes in the story, stuff like that. So they do their best to give us as much of a sequence type of work where we get uh, consecutive shots together to match our strengths or preferences and so on. It doesn't always work. There's a lot, a lot of factors, you know, come into those decisions who gets what. So, um, yeah, I've, I've generally been happier. Was the studio surprised at the success of Ralph? Um, I don't think so. No. They kind of felt like they knew it. We like we loved the movie. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, it was it was a pretty short thing. Like, I mean, obviously, it wasn't early on. You know, before it was done, there was sort of energy boosting hype filtering in from the from the ether. You know, a lot of a lot of bloggers latching onto it, and it kind of. Yeah, I know. I think it did capture a lot of people's interest very early on. So 
we were like as as it started shaping itself up. I don't think anyone was doubtful of success. I mean, I mean, obviously we could have been surprised and we could not have been a success, but I think everyone will be shocked because I don't, you know, we didn't have any doubting Toms or anything like that. I mean, the movie was just the hype, like Joey said, was just there, and they've hit a couple, like a gaming conference and Comic Con and. Uh, trailer came out and you know just the 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 feedback from those was just overwhelmingly positive yeah. so from that point on it was just uh, we all knew it's going to do well we just didn't know how well it's going to do so now what was the vibe in the studio once you guys kind of started seeing that it was doing really well the occasional don't last the speech oh yeah yeah, yeah. cupcakes and donuts i mean yeah. yeah we were really happy about it everyone everyone was talking about it but also there's another thing it's uh like i think daniel mentioned before you know this is uh, another renaissance of disney so it's the atmosphere like the general atmosphere reflects that you know this place is brimming with i would say enthusiasm right now you know regardless if it's ralph or frozen or whatever yeah, it's a it's, really good time to be here. Absolutely, yeah. It's been in the rut for a long time, and now is like just the best place to be. That's right. And, <laughs> and, and, yeah, management and really good aspirations broadly for the studio. It's just really exciting to be here. I guess that's kind of why I asked because, like I said, when you, I, I really liked Bolt a lot. That was probably one of the first ones that really started kind of gaining some momentum, but I don't maybe didn't do as well as it maybe could have. But then when you start hitting Tangled, and that one was a real big success. And then when you start seeing this here, you're kind of feeling like, okay, we're on, we're on now, you know, and kind of coming from a athletic background, that's a, that's a huge boost to not your ego, but just your ability to perform like you want to. Well, because no, I think what's interesting is no one really expected Tangled to do well. I think there was a sort of certain wariness as it, before it came out and, you know, it made insane amount of money. So I think, yeah, this is kind of the sophomore album. Right. I guess that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. When you've done well on your freshman album and now your sophomore, you're going, okay, we're not, this wasn't just a one hit wonder. We're, we're back in this, you know, what do you guys enjoy most about animation right now? And it's very broad, but having uh, work at Disney right I'd now, doing it at Disney. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's yeah. my favorite part about it right now. I, I would have to agree. Yeah. I couldn't imagine a, a, a better way to learn this craft and, and to be immersed in it than learning among these people and this this pool of talent. It is unrivaled. Yeah, I mean, to me, the thing that like, most excites me is just the incredible variety of the profession. Every week, we're all animating something completely different. We're all exploring a different emotional state or even a different style of acting, um, style of animation completely. And I just feel there's so much room to grow and... It's just a really meritocratic place where, you know, it's just all about how proficient you are at your work. So it's just like that kind of thing that really excites me, how it's it just this, I don't know, endless ability to improve in the different facets of it. So. Was there any things that you guys had kind of taken away with you from iAnimate that kind of helped in your tool bag there at Walt Disney? Some nuggets yeah. that you got from your instructors or? Yeah, yeah, actually. Um... Like the uh, the amount of polish that I learned from Jamal was super key, because uh, it, it's kind of easy to to miss like little nuancey details. But if you had, like I had an instructor who was like 
always pay attention to the eyes. Like it, everyone's watching the eyes the whole time. And so like if the eyes are perfect, then then it's like the mouth can be a little loose, you know, the feet can be a little loose, but like the eyes gotta be perfect. And so like I take that in every shot I do is like make sure those eyes are Paul, like the arcs of the pupils and everything is, is working perfectly. Little tips like that helped a lot. Ross, what about you? Oh, pretty much everything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just, everything I know I learned there. Basically. Right. So it's, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, it's well, yeah, uh, that, that's the obvious answer. Like I wouldn't be, well, I don't know. I, I, I can't like point like one thing. I mean, obviously I can't take one thing out. It's just like everything I learned there. I wouldn't be here if I wasn't an I animate. That's, you know, I can say for that sure. Too, yeah. And, no, I, I can um, say that as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, <laughs> yeah. like every everything that I did or didn't learn, or every mistake, or every mistake that I made that I made, every success that I had, like every step I made is what brought me here. So it's uh, like I can't. There's no key. That's like everything is just uh, <laughs> uh, everything is important, you know, and 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 everything counts. So. But, but it is in the eyes. It's all in games. <laughs> what about you, Joey? Um, I can't say it's anything specific. Yeah, but just broadly as a way of teaching, just the um, how various ones of my instructors would pull up old shots they worked on, and then talk through what notes they were given, and then uh, show how they polished and what they were thinking of each decision. And that was something you kind of, you know, you don't really get anywhere else unless you're at. A feature studio just getting that and and i think that is the best way to just transform your mind into a feature thinking machine you know getting just just yeah just seeing how a professional would approach a shot and the problems raised by the shot so okay last question here this goes for each one of you guys what advice would you guys give for those who are wanting to get into features and, and you know work at a studio like walt disney animation studios it's uh work hard like it'll be the, the hardest work you've ever done just to get your craft to the point where we could use it and just don't give up i don't know this is just from my perspective but don't try and be an animator that you think people want to see you know animate the shots that you want to see and that you like the most and because i think that's what they really look for i feel like the general standard of animation is insanely high at the moment There's, it's more about they just want to see your personality and like what trace of humanity you can bring into the next film possibly or how you can innovate within the framework. So that's what I've... What about you, Roscoe? Um, well, definitely like really work hard. Um, it's going to be a great challenge, that's for sure. Uh, some things are easier said than done. But I think I would say experiment as much as you can, try as many different things as you can. While you can make uh, while you can make those mistakes, so basically fail as much as you can as soon as you can. Yeah, don't covet your work. Don't hide your work from people. Just allow people better than you to tell you what is wrong with what you're doing. Lose that ego now, huh? Yeah. <laughs> That's one of those things that it's easier said than not. Right. But if you can practice it now before you get into a studio, you're ready, right? Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Very cool. Hey, guys, I really do appreciate this talk here, partly just for, it was a chance for me to kind of catch up with you guys. It's been a bit, so I really appreciate you guys' time. Yeah, for cool. sure. It was, it was a joy. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks very much, guys, and I uh, look forward to hearing from you next time. Thanks. All right.